The Key Economic Releases Affecting Fixed Income Yields Insights into Sectors Influencing Fixed Income Securities How AAM plans to capitalize on these themes for your fixed income portfolio. The Portfolio Fix is a podcast series featuring members of AAM's investment and portfolio management team. We will discuss the timely issues affecting the fixed income investments of our insurance clients. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Portfolio Fix, a podcast series from AAM. My name is Patrick McGeever, a member of the investment team. Elizabeth Henderson is going to join us today to speak about the corporate sector, but first we wanted to get Marco Bravo's thoughts on some economic developments. Um, Marco, on our last episode, you highlighted a few releases that we needed to keep our eyes on. Uh, You mentioned the small business index, two inflation reports, retail sales, and the University of Michigan sentiment survey. The inflation data came in higher than expected, but the small business index and retail sales, X, gas, and auto data were, were, I guess, weaker than expected. And yet, yields moved higher and the curve, the twos, tens curve, steepened. Um, do you think the data justifies that move or is there something else going on? Thanks, Pat. Well, we think there's a, there's a few... Uh, things going on with respect to economic data and what's driving markets, especially what happened last week. Yes, we did see a slight decline in the small business sentiment index, but it remains at relatively strong levels. So we're not seeing a significant deterioration in confidence among small businesses. So that's a positive. Uh, inflation did move higher, much higher than uh well, not much higher, but higher than expected. And core CPI now running at 2.4% is above the Fed's 2% target. So that should have the effect of driving rates higher. And to be fair, the economic data has been coming in stronger than expected for the last, call it uh, 20 to 30 days. If you look at the Citigroup Surprise Index, which measures data coming in relative to expectations, that index has been moving higher, which represents data coming in stronger than expected, albeit at more bearish forecasts uh, from analysts, uh, but nonetheless stronger than expected. So the combination of stronger economic data, uh, rising inflation, and an overall general more positive mood um, among investors probably due to um, easing trade tensions, Uh, last week uh, caused risk assets to perform very well uh, and we had what looked like a flight out of quality uh, causing treasury yields to move higher by the tune of 25 to 35 basis points across the curve so we think there's a number of factors uh, affecting treasury yields right now uh, and and those factors being the uh, the stronger data uh, and the better general mood among investors okay um the big event this week is the FOMC meeting. What do you think market expectations are for that? Well, right now the market is fully pricing in uh, a 25 basis points cut from the Fed. The, we, we expect the Fed to cut rates uh, tomorrow as well. 
uh, with an additional rate cut before year end. It'll be interesting to see, though, if there's any change to the language coming out of the Fed, given some of the stronger economic data prints and the rising inflation, and whether Chairman Powell makes any adjustments to what he has described as a mid-cycle adjustment. So are there any other uh, economic releases that you're going to be monitoring this week or that we should be paying close attention to? Well, I think the big, obviously the big event will be the, the outcome from the Fed meeting. Uh, but in, in addition to that, uh, the only really uh, kind of market-sensitive um, economic report to come out this week is industrial production. Uh, get a better sense of uh, what's happening on the, on the manufacturing side. Uh, and then we'll have some housing data, but no one is really expecting uh, much of a uh, growth in terms of the housing market today. Okay, thanks for that, Marco. We'll keep a close eye on the FOMC meeting notes and the uh, housing data that um, should be coming out before the end of the week. Uh, Thank you very much. Next, I am joined by Elizabeth Henderson, who has been involved in fixed income investments for more than 20 years and has led AAM's corporate team for the past 17 years. She's also responsible for the telecom and technology industries. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks, Pat. So uh, I think I stated in our last podcast that you were going to speak about the telecom industry, um, but you informed me that you're actually going to be meeting with more than a dozen companies this week at a telecom conference. So uh, you suggested that we talk more about corporates. So uh, I thought that's what we would do. So corporates are a significant component of the Bloomberg Barclays Ag, more than 25% of the benchmark. So um, it's definitely an important topic. And we've seen yields on 10-year treasuries decline by 120 basis points since the beginning of the year. And the twos tens curve has declined pretty significantly. Um, There's been a lot of volatility in the space. So how would you say that corporate bonds or the corporate bond market has responded, and um, are corporates performing well given all the volatility in the marketplace? That's a great question uh, because we certainly have seen volatility in in many markets this year, but uh, the corporate market has been very resilient. We've had very positive uh, total returns from that treasury move as well as excess returns um, based on very strong demand from yield-seeking buyers overseas as well as those here uh, as they get uh, perhaps more concerned about the economy and as they get more comfortable with the path of interest rates. So um, right now the 10-year Treasury is under 2% uh, and that's substantially lower than we began the year at. So with this big decline in interest rates um, how is that, or what's been the biggest influence on corporates? The biggest influence on the corporate market has been on technicals. The demand um, for U.S. yields has increased this year from foreign buyers and from the retail investor, and on supply as well. Uh, we have had 
more refinancing related activity than we have had on uh, leveraging events like M&A, for example, or more destructive uh, activity on corporate fundamentals. Yeah, it's and last week was a perfect example of that. I mean, we had more issues in the past week than I can remember in my entire career. I, do you know how many issues we had? Wasn't something like 50 or 60 new issues? Yes, three strong weeks. Um, there by putting the global or the supply of investment grade corporates to um, a pace that is more what we had expected this year. So effectively getting caught up within a three weeks period of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, one of the topics that we have routinely spoken about in our corporate roundtable meetings is the lack of growth in CapEx due to the uncertainty throughout the world. Um, the pullback in fixed investment has been one of the reasons that GDP growth has, has slowed. And I guess, what are you seeing companies do with this excess cash if they're not investing in their own business? Yeah, while the level of capital spending has uh, been disappointing relative to last year, which was very strong because we were coming off of the tax reform, um, companies have been spending more of the strong free cash flow that has been generated on buying back shares, as well as increasing uh, dividend payouts. What we have not seen is the cash or debt funded M&A uh, at the pace that we had seen in, in years prior when rates were this low, so that's been a positive. But unfortunately, what we also have not seen is companies repaying debt uh, or um, building cash balances. Okay, and are you overly concerned about that at this point with their activities? Um, perhaps not overly concerned, but it is an area that we've been watching, uh, talking about triple B fundamentals and leverage at this point in the cycle. Uh, we, we acknowledge that there is recession risk. Uh, while we don't expect one, we recognize that there's real risk of a recession. And what that means is that earnings contract, and when that happens, leverage increases because of that component of, of leverage, of course. So um, that does put companies at risk of falling to high yield, for example, that are weakly positioned in the investment grade category. So it is something that we're monitoring closely. Okay. Um, you had a fantastic chart uh, in uh, your recent company-wide presentation showing the strong relationship between the OAS of the triple B index and GDP. And it suggests that if GDP expectations are below 2%, OAS probably should widen a fair amount from its, its current level. Um, and Marco pointed out in our last podcast that our expectations for GDP are below 2% for the second half of 2019. So if these two relationships hold, is it our expectation that um, spreads should remain as they are or widen? Yeah, our view, uh, as you talked about, because of the sensitivity to the economy is that spreads are on the, the rich side of the valuation spectrum. Um, that recession risk just isn't being reflected in, in credit spreads. And again, I think that's due to the technicals that we talked about earlier related to low rates. Uh, so 
that uh, technical could keep spreads tighter than they otherwise would be if you just look at them from a, from a fundamental modeling perspective. Um, but it is certainly a risk that creates more downside than upside to spreads. Okay. Um, so you mentioned uh, a catalyst for spread widening. Can you think of anything or any catalyst that might cause spreads to compress? And if you wouldn't mind, would you care uh, to offer a probability of one catalyst being greater than the other? Sure. So the the catalyst most likely to cause spreads to tighten would be um, something that would create GDP growth estimates to increase. Uh, so that would certainly be, for example, a trade deal with China that could cause China's uh, GDP growth to increase from current estimates. Um, another one perhaps more related to disappointing GDP growth but would be viewed positively from the corporate market would be stimulus or quantitative easing in some way here in the U.S. Uh, so those would cause spreads to tighten. Uh, the widening I talked about in terms of GDP growth disappointing and I believe uh, given what's happened with interest rates and that path and the economic data that we've seen and, and what we talk about as a group, um, our opinion is that is more likely to occur than the, the tightening scenario. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, in fact, with what we're seeing in the energy space today, I think there is a risk that economic growth might come up lighter than um, what we had internally uh, suggested uh, when the corporate group last met. Today, oil prices have jumped by $10 uh, per barrel for the near-month contract and $5 per barrel for the future-dated contract as a result of the uh, bombings in Saudi Arabia. And I think if there's any type of retaliation, and it seems likely that there will be, oil prices could rise pretty dramatically, uh, and that could result in less economic growth than we were expecting. So I would, I would agree with you that of the probability is of there being a catalyst for spread compression or spread widening, I think spread widening is probably uh, more likely. Um, so my last question, Elizabeth, is around triple B rated issuers. Uh, this was a big topic at the beginning of the year, and with the threat of a, th at that time there was a threat of a slowing economy, and a high risk of fallen angels. Do you believe that is still a threat, and are you recommending any type of positioning, uh, given this view? Uh, yes, it's certainly still a threat, as you mentioned, less so than. The the first part of the year because of the uh, reaction on the part of central banks around the world. Um, but if you think going forward that we're going to remain in this uh, low growth, uncertain environment, uh, then triple Bs in terms of what they need to do to continue to deleverage, especially if we do hit a, uh, a period of uh, zero or negative GDP growth just makes them a lot more vulnerable to rating downgrades to high yield. And what we see in periods of market stress is that 
uh, weaker position credits widen more significantly than those that are higher quality. Uh, so you have a repricing as well as a higher risk of downgrades. Um, and, and while that may be systemic in some ways, we do see that idiosyncratic risk being real um, with forecasting a number of companies being most at risk of falling. So uh, what we're recommending to portfolio managers is that they remain very disciplined when we are recommending triple B credits on a valuation um, basis and fundamental basis. It tends to be those that are much more strongly positioned from a capital perspective as well as in industries that are much more defensive in terms of their uh, cash flows and the sensitivity to the to the economy. So that's how we are positioned as well as leaving dry powder. So when those spreads do widen materially, especially for those weekly and lower position credits that we can add at that period of time and we're being compensated for that risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I said it was my last question, but now that you stated something, I need to follow up. Uh, last week, with all the issuance that we saw, if, I, if you had to guess, how many of those new issues did we actually participate in? We did not participate in that many, um, mostly because we are comfortable with the position that we have going into this month and knowing that it would be an active month of issuance, so uh, we were set up for it, but also because of the, uh, we just didn't feel like spreads were that attractive. I think that uh, buyers came into the market uh, because of the, the par price bonds and, and because we can access the secondary market and, and do take the premium dollar price into account when we're doing our calculations, we were not as concerned. So um, at the end of the day, we did not feel like we were again being compensated with very small new issue concessions that sometimes they were negative versus their secondary spreads. So uh, we, we did participate that actively. Great. Well, thanks, Elizabeth, for all that information on corporates. I think it was a great discussion especially for those clients that measure themselves relative to the Bloomberg Barclays Index. Um, I hope to have you on in the near future when you can speak to us about what you learned in all your meetings with uh, the telecom industry next week. And thanks to you for listening to the Portfolio Fix. If you have questions about anything we discussed today, please reach out to your portfolio manager or contact our marketing team at aamcompany.com. That's A as an asset, A as an allocation, M as in management, company.com. During our next podcast, Marco will review the Fed's September 18th meeting, and I will provide an update on the energy sector, which is likely going to be even more turbulent than usual. So thank you very much.